You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. I'm excited today to be here in Banyan 1 to talk about um, all the new gear coming out at the Outdoor Retailer, but that's going to be on the next episode. Gotta wait. Chase, tease right there. Yeah. Chase isn't quite here yet, so we're going to yeah. wait for him because he's the, he's the main buyer and the gear guru, and so we're going to wait to have those conversations. I just got to watch the, the magic happen the first time so that was fun yeah yeah and you guys had a good time yes uh two full days at the outdoor retailer show in denver it is a three-day show um but we only did two and it was a lot of work it was back-to-back meetings um i got back and i had friends and family keep they kept asking me like oh did you have fun i'm like well yeah yeah, but it was work work, it was a long Long days, yeah. Long couple of days, and then you fly in, and then you get to work, and then you fly out. So um, we got to relax a little bit on Friday night, but besides that, it was just going to appointment after appointment and to see a lot of things. So uh, stick and stay. We'll cover some of the the uh, some of the products we saw, some of the things that we're interested in in uh, upcoming episodes. Yep. So, so but for today, and oh, I I also want to mention um, for some reason. Recently, our podcast mm. has been having problems uploading to, to iTunes, and yeah. um, there's something's going on. I even got an email from Apple, uh, with instructions on how to fix iTunes things. I wonder if it's if this is happening to more people than just us, because uh, for about the last ten episodes or so, they're not on iTunes. They're only not on Podbean. So if you wanna, if you're listening to this, then you know how to get them. But tell right. tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on podbean but um yes we send that email too by the way because i i keep trying stuff and it doesn't seem to be working okay yeah because yeah i i can't figure it out either anyway um hopefully by this point as you're listening to this it's fixed um (laughs) but if you're wondering why the heck we've disappeared from itunes and you can't see our uh first 60 or so podcast and you can't see our most recent 10 or so podcasts we're trying to figure that out and and hopefully we've figured it out by this point by the time you're listening but that's what what's going on yeah um but today we're going to talk about winter camping or snow camping or just cold weather camping mountaineering that sort of thing Um, because that's something we haven't really talked about it's not really a hobby that most people get into but occasionally a few people do that's fun it's it is fun it can be uh, my experiences with winter camping range from extremely not fun to very, very fun. Um, the extremely not funs were as a scout, as a boy scout, um, going and, and 
sleeping in snow caves and stuff and that was it was cool except that i was freezing like i was i, I wasn't is that like boy scout initiation or something yeah it kind of is yeah um and i just didn't have the right gear for it and so but i just thought freezing was just part of the deal and i actually i still this is not fun <laughs> this is the other f word which is freezing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but i actually i still had fun um back then i still thought it was great just because being in the mountains was great yeah but we made a fire and everybody stood around the fire for like yeah there you go the yeah. fire for like three or four hours in the evening and then when it was finally is like okay i'm gonna go climb in my sleeping bag and then you shiver through the night and then at like six in the morning you're sick of shivering you go out and start a fire and you stand around the fire for another eight hours and then you drive home <laughs> <laughs> and i just thought well you All know right. standing around a fire in the mountains is better than being at home not in the mountains so i still had a good time but it wasn't until i started to get the right gear that i realized this can be super fun like it could be a really great time so you winter camp for uh you like mountaineering uh yeah i mean i don't just go sleep in the snow for fun anymore yeah Uh, i did it there's an objective at one time in my life yeah but it's usually like if i'm trying to climb a mountain in the winter uh, and i've got to sleep out for the night to make it up make it to the top then i do that uh one of one of the more recent places i've been uh, with my wife is the pfeiffer horn in salt lake um i i went and hiked it with my wife and we spent the night out and then the next week i just went up with um james who used to be a gear 30 employee and we just started early in the morning and we just hiked it and skied it before work when you say hiked it yeah you're on skis yeah yeah skin skinned up and skied down um and I, I was actually surprised at how quick of a of a trip that ended up being it took us three and a half four hours something like that car to car which was quicker than i was expecting because when my wife and i did it we definitely took our time and i mean we were probably had a total of four or five hours of hiking plus we camped out and stuff it and it seemed like a much bigger objective and then and then when i did it just in the morning i thought oh that was that was not as crazy so as i thought before besides a four season tent and a zero degree down sleeping bag what are some of the hacks that you do while winter camping that you helps you stay warm yeah so one of the things that i never had when i was in my younger years that i never go winter camping without now is insulated pants so everybody knows you got to have a warm down jacket. Yeah. But you don't really think about like insulated pants. Poofy pants. Yeah. And I just, before I would wear long johns and like a waterproof Gore-Tex shell. And that was what I, what I did. And my upper body would be pretty warm. My legs would be cold. And that was just part of the deal. But then I got poofy pants, insulated pants, Prima Loft insulated pants. And, um. And that just changed everything for me because then I was warm all the time. I was warm when I was standing around camp. I was warm when I was sitting in my tent. Warm when, like, it was awesome. Yeah, so you got to keep your core warm, but, like, does your core extend all the way down to your nether regions? Because it sure (laughs) does feel like I stay warmer when I'm wearing insulated pants. Yeah. And, you know, most people, a lot of people are like, oh, my legs don't get cold. Um, 
because you know maybe there are less nerves or something in your legs and your legs do get cold but you don't notice it so much doesn't bother you and so a lot of people will hike with less layers on their legs and their upper body that sort of thing and i get it because i'm the same way but what you need to realize is there's tons of blood flowing through your legs through your uh femoral arteries and and other arteries there's tons of blood going through there so as it's going into those cooler extremities it cools down and it keeps circulating throughout your body and it cools your core it cools your body down so if you keep your core warm it helps keep your extremities warmer but if you keep your extremities warmer it also helps to keep your core warm so um, adding an insulated pant does a lot to just keep your keep you warm overall um, a surprising amount like it blew me away the first time I, I wore those pants and I mean I was for example um, I went and hiked Kings Peak or I tried to hike Kings Peak we didn't make it to the top in the winter in the winter and um, it was negative 20 degrees went at the car what time of when month we started was this was or year like was New Year's oh yeah it was okay. like New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or something like that it was like negative 20 at the car. And so we started hiking, and uh, it was chilly. I had multiple long john layers and, and uh, soft shell pants on and many layers on top and stuff. And as we were moving, I was comfortable. Um, but the moment you stop, you just get cold very, very quickly. And so we just didn't stop a whole lot. But when we got back to the car, I got back before a lot of the rest of the group because one of the guys in our group got scary hypothermic. He had never been out in that type of weather, and and he didn't really have necessarily the right gear. Maybe he did have the right gear but didn't wear the right gear. He put on too warm of a jacket while he was hiking and got sweaty, and then he got chilled and had a hard time warming back up, and he was starting to act funny. So I ended up hiking back to the car with him early, and so I was hanging out at the car, and um, as I saw all the rest of the the people coming back maybe an hour later than us or maybe an hour and a half later, uh, I saw him coming. And so I got out of the car to welcome him, but I saw him like way down. And, and it, I swear I was waiting for like 15 minutes before they finally got to the car and it's negative 20 degrees and I'm standing around thinking, all right, come on. <laughs> but, I put on yeah. but I put on insulated pants and I was comfortable. Like, without the insulated pants, I was very quickly freezing. Mm -hmm. And I put on those insulated pants, and suddenly it was just like, oh, yeah, negative 20, it's not so bad. It's amazing what those insulated pants will do. Yeah. And, of course, you want to have a a warm down jacket with a hood. Um, Multiple layers are, are helpful, too, obviously, so you can unzip layers or take off layers, and you can kind of manage your your core temperature because especially in the real cold weather you don't want to get sweaty you don't want to work up your uh, core temperature so much to the point that you're sweating and you're getting your layers wet because that's when it can be dangerous so so you wore the same jacket i wore today it's cold today like 13 degrees outside and and i went with the synthetic but i swear that synthetic is one of the warmest jackets i own yeah it's not even super thick right so yeah, it's it's amazing and and one thing you'll notice particularly excuse me particularly with down jackets is that 
Uh, unless you get the really monster big ones, the big mountaineering ones, um, the baffles are stitched through. And so everywhere that they're stitched is a cold spot. You usually don't notice it so much until it gets really cold, and then you you feel the cold coming through there. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. With the synthetic jackets, you don't have, usually, you don't have the baffles. Not with, like, the, um, the thermal, ball. thermal ball from the North Face you do, but... Um, but from like the black diamond jacket that you're talking about, or a lot of the other Primaloft jackets out there, they're not going to have the baffle stitches. Uh, it's going to be sheets of insulation. And so you don't have the cold spots. And so they are surprisingly warm and in many cases warmer than a sewn through down jacket. Now down is going to be warmer for the weight mm -hmm. than synthetic, but don't make the assumption that because it's down, it's warmer. Because oftentimes the synthetics are warmer. Yeah, just I forget, and you. Yeah. And then I, and then I'll be wearing a jacket like this. I thought, man, it is, it's not cutting through. It's, I'm, I feel great. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really cold outside. So. Right. Um. So don't shy away from synthetics when you're uh, winter camping, like you said. That some people might think, oh, you need like the biggest down thing ever. Well, if, if the if the synthetics will be a little heavier, but they'll be warm. Yeah. Um. And then, do you do like, uh, like, like you eat like globs of butter or anything <laughs> to stay warm at night? So, uh, so I've got some friends that have climbed an alley Coconut many oil times or something. Yeah, and they they all talk about how they avocados. They'll do. <laughs> they'll do their like hot chocolate to get ready for like when it's real cold. They'll they'll make hot chocolate and they'll put like half a stick of butter, mix half a stick of butter in their hot chocolate just to add yeah. calories and stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. I've never been in that cold weather. I imagine if I was on Denali and it was negative 40, I might be willing to try some of those things. But um, but I do I do take lots of proteins and fats in my food if I'm spending the night out or nights out in the cold. Um, lots of cheeses, lots of meats. Um, those tend to stick with you a little longer and, and kind of keep you warm longer. I notice that uh, particularly with cheese. I'm not sure what it is about cheese, but when I, for some reason, whenever I eat cheese, I can almost feel my body just like start warming up from the inside out. And um, I don't tend to notice that as much with the meat, maybe a little bit, but with cheese for some reason. So, um, so I do go like protein and fat heavy foods for the winter. Uh, I also do warm liquids like hot chocolate or wassail or uh, cider or, or any of those types of things. I like those. And um, the first pro tip I learned was to, uh, when you take your heated water, well, melting water is another, or melting snow to make water is another yeah. science, but um, is to take your hot water in your Nalgene and then you just put it between your, your legs or cuddle with it in your sleeping bag. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I didn't know about that. Uh, the first, I think two times I tried to sleep in cold weather and I knew about it when I tried to do an, an overnighter in, uh, the Uintas as well. Mm -hmm. Didn't go so well. And, but that was, I was able to at least utilize the pro tip there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's what, that's how my wife does everything. Um, whenever we go and spend the night out in the snow, she's always got a Nalgene bottle 
boiling boiling yeah. hot water and that usually keeps her helps keep her warm until about you know two in the morning maybe maybe four hours or something of warmth there and um i i don't do that because i like to be like she likes to be on the too warm side of warm and i like to be almost i, I almost sleep better if i'm, I'm just a little bit cooler like mm-hmm. if i get too warm oh then my sleeping bag feels claustrophobic and it's just it's no fun so um i i don't do that and i just try to get to where i'm comfortable just chilling in my sleeping bag almost with it unzipped if i can layer and and wear clothes in a way that i'm comfortable with my sleeping bag and unzipped um without a hot water bottle then at two or three in the morning when i start cooling off and get a little bit chilled i can zip it up and tighten up my hood and that's usually enough to kind of keep me warm the rest of the night Uh, what pad do you use in cold weather so i like to i have a um thermarest neo air x therm which is their warmest one and that's been plenty warm for me i can sleep right on i mean the first time i got it um this was like year two of my marriage um so i was quite a bit younger and you're already sleeping outside (laughs) yeah yeah i got in trouble so my wife made me sleep on the couch and uh where's that x therm (laughs) yeah i uh well she said she said no the couch is too good get outside oh, no, wow, no, yeah. just kidding um but i got an therm for christmas for my wife and i wanted to test it out there's snow on the ground and so i went set up the tent i thought i'm gonna sleep on this therm now normally the pads that i'd sleep on in the past you wake up in the morning and the the snow underneath your pad is frozen frozen mm. ice because yeah. a little bit of heat come, goes through from your body and it melts the snow and then ice is over and whatever so that's what i was used to and i slept on that x-therm and i i laid the x-therm down on the tent floor i put a blanket over it um so i wasn't sleeping directly on the pad but just like a thin blanket so it was comfortable and then i unzipped like a zero degree sleeping bag and laid it over me like a blanket so i just mm. had my foot in the foot box but then i laid the rest of it over me like a blanket because i don't think that sleeping in mummy bags is particularly comfortable so i used it like a blanket and um so i was almost sleeping directly on the pad and when i woke up in the morning the snow underneath my pad was still powdery Mm. it hadn't melted and refrozen so uh i was surprised i was really impressed by that pad i've never had a pad that was that warm that could insulate me that well and i didn't feel any cold coming up through the ground on that pad and i never have as a, as long as i've slept on that pad i've never felt the cold now some of the other neo airs that aren't as warm i feel the cold coming through and most of the other pads out on the market i feel it but the x-therm i don't the downside about the x-therm is that it's inflatable and i have been on a winter trip where well most of the winter trips i'm on i have some sort of uh sharp pokey gear with me whether it's crampons or ice <laughs> yeah, tools or an, yeah. or an ice axe or something like that and um one time i was winter camping and i put a hole in my pad and i didn't have a pad like a warm pad to sleep. i ended up and no way to repair yeah i i couldn't uh i didn't have i don't know if i had a repair kit oh no i did but the the tear ended up being a big tear and none of my patches were big enough for it so i ended up 
Um, I think I pulled the foam out of the back panel of my backpack because I had a, a climbing pack that had this removable foam pad. Um, and I, I pulled that out so it's like a pad big enough to sit on. Maybe slightly big enough for two people to sit on. And that was my sleeping pad that I slept on that night. And I just froze my butt off. And um, so uh, I'm extremely careful when I've got an just an inflatable pad only. And if I'm going out for more than one night, I usually will take a second uh, closed cell foam pad yeah, that, that I can't up. pop. Yeah, and then I just double them up. And then if you're doubling up a closed cell foam and an inflatable pad, you can get away with a three-season inflatable pad. The combination of the two is, is warm enough. Um, so if I'm doing any sort of multi-day something, I usually have a closed cell foam pad as well, just in case. And then what about uh, stoves? Because I know I, when it comes to melting water, melting the snow and making water, it's uh, it can be difficult if you've got the wrong stove situation going on. Yeah. So, uh, most canister stoves are worthless in the cold in the winter. I mean, not worthless, but they're very, very difficult to use because the pressure in the canister drops so much. Um, just a second. I need to put <laughs> Chase's headphones on him. He's got his broken uh, wings. Yeah, Chase so. showed up, but unfortunately I can't get him on a mic because we already got the record buttons pushed. But oh, yeah. uh, can't, add, can't add you in to this one yeah you're just <laughs> listening for now so um but canister stoves work off of the pressure in the canister to push the fuel through and when you get in real cold weather the pressure drops and doesn't push as much fuel through the stove they don't it doesn't burn as hot and at a certain point if the pressure gets low enough it, it like won't burn hot enough to even melt snow and uh and bring water to a boil and so you know, I've I have a love hate relationship with jet boils. I think they're great for three season use, but I I was um, I was on a winter uh, an ice climbing backcountry ice climbing trip with a buddy of mine, and um, I had a jet boil, and he I forget the stove he had, uh, but I thought the jet boil would do the trick, and it took like two hours because it was so cold out, it was like negative 15 degrees or something at night when we got into camp. It was so cold that it took like two hours to melt snow and bring enough uh, enough uh, water to a boil for a mountain house meal and like a cup of hot chocolate for, for one person. That goes all your fuel. Oh, it was so frustrating. And we were exhausted. We had been hiking from like 6 or 7 in the morning until midnight, like however long that is, 20, 18 hours, something. We'd have been hiking for almost 18 hours straight. We got into camp, and we were so tired we could barely see straight. And we were hungry, and it was butt cold. And so, <laughs> so I broke yeah. out my stove, and it took forever to, to heat up water just to eat dinner and get some hot chocolate and go to bed. And at that point, I was just cursing jet boil. I was so mad. So what, what stoves would you recommend for four-season winter? Yeah, so after that trip, I, I sold my jet boil. I was so mad I <laughs> sold it, and yeah. I bought a an MSR reactor, and that did the trick. That works very well in the cold. Um, for a canister stove, it's, it's the best option. 
Um, but then also just a white gas stove that you can you can pressurize the canister. It has the, the separate canister with a fuel pump. You can pressurize the canister. So those work great in the cold. And that's a, um, if you don't have a, a white gas stove and you want to get into mountaineering, that's something to look into. Uh, it takes a little practice to use them well. So you don't, if you're, especially if you're going to try to cook in your tent, you don't want to burn your tent down, burn a big hole. So practice outside your tent before you ever consider taking it inside. Um, but if you get into like really, really nasty weather and your big storms and stuff, sometimes you need to cook in your vestibule or something, um, practice with a white gas stove beforehand, <clears throat> but a white gas stove, um, or a remote canister stove. So those are the stoves where you've got the stove base and then a fuel line that goes out from that to the canister. And that allows you to flip the canister upside down. And essentially what you have in that situation is a liquid fuel stove. Mm. And so in the warm weather, you keep the fuel can right side up and it works just like a, just your normal canister stove. And it's pretty efficient in the cold weather. You can flip the canister upside down and it'll burn still really hot. You'll go through fuel faster, uh, but it'll still work well in the cold. So that's a good option. Uh, so white gas or a remote canister or MSR reactor. Those are the only ones that I, that I like, um, there's one other trick that you can do if you're using a uh, canister stove, and that's to get some liquid water, put it in like a little bowl or a cup or something big enough. Well, that sounds repetitive. Put to put the, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you don't have the liquid water, then it doesn't. Um, but you you put the water in like a bowl or a cup or something big enough that the fuel canister will fit in, and turn your stove on, and then you put the fuel canister in the water and it keeps the water, or it keeps the fuel, the temperature of the fuel up high enough that it works well. But eventually that water will freeze that it's in, and so you kind of have to keep replacing it. Um, but that's one kind, one tr little hack that you can use to, if you have a, a canister stove that's not working because it's too cold, you can try that, assuming you have water. So uh, besides a Hilleberg, yeah. What four season tents would you recommend? Well, I'm a huge Hilleberg fan for four season. Um, I think they're the best. Um, they're the best made. They're the best designed. The most usable. Most comfortable. One of the warmest. Um, most and one of the one of the main reasons why I like the Hillebergs is because the inner tent and outer tent are connected, and the poles are on the exterior of the outer tent of the fly. And so if you're in a blizzard or something like that, you can set up the tent, and keep the inside of your tent snow free. Most other mountaineering tents, you set up the canopy of the tent and then you, and then you set up the fly over the top. And if you're in the wind, that can be a real pain in the butt. Or if it's nuking snow, then you're trying to keep that, the canopy part dry. Um, if you, if it's sleet or, or raining or something like that, that's the other thing, just trying to keep it dry. So I like Hillebergs for that reason. But another, there's many good brands out there um, of four season tents. There's Slingfin, which is a, a newer tent company that makes some awesome tents. Um, there's, you know, Mountain Hardware is well known for their four season tents. I don't think they're as well made as they used to be. And uh, I, I've, I think, may, have I shared, 
my yeah. stories about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so search for that episode if you want to know why. Um, I I like, uh, you know, the North Face, I would say, is comparable to Mountain Hardware. Sierra Designs used to make some of the best um, four-season tents, uh, mountaineering tents. They don't really anymore, but if you can find an old one of theirs, they're pretty cool. Uh, but Slingfin, Hilleberg, MSR, I would say all make a very good quality mountaineering tent, four-season tent. Black Diamond does Bibbler, which is uh, an old, older brand that was purchased by Black Diamond. Uh, makes great tents. So um, if you find a the Black Diamond tents that you use Todd Tex as their waterproof breathable, that's essentially what the Bibbler tents were. And they're, they're a single wall tent but they're one of the best single wall tents out there for mountaineering. Um, so those are great. Um, those are, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good ones out there that I haven't named, but those are probably the big names that are, but you can really just kind of forget about all the rest of them and just buy Hilleberg. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Cause even if you just bought the three season, you'd be all right. Yeah. They're as long as there's not like a huge snow load. Right. And the and so the thing with the four season tent is you you mentioned the snow load that's one thing <clears throat> or or being able to handle stronger winds and that sort of thing but also the inner tent is not going to have all the mesh in it it's going to have a ripstop nylon generally in the canopy and that helps not only keep it warmer and keep breezes and stuff out it it helps trap the air a little better but it also if you if it's windy and it's blowing snow a lot it's not going to allow snow to be blown inside your tent through the mesh and get everything inside all wet and that's a big thing and and a lot of people don't think about that until they're in that situation and then it's just like oh crap my sleeping bag all my gears getting snow all over it and there's nothing i can do about it it's it's a crappy situation to be in so um it's for that reason it's worth getting a four, a, a real four season tent. Like you said, the Hilleberg three season tents are as strong as most other companies, four season tents, but they do have a little bit of mesh in the doors, for example, that you can't cover up. And so if you're going to make a four season winter camping, your thing, invest in a winter four season tent. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing, um, for, Mountaineering, if, for example, you're going to climb Rainier or Denali or some of those things where you're going to be camping, you're going to have like a base camp type thing, you might be spending a few days there. Um, having a big vestibule is really nice to, because uh, if you have to hang out and wait out a storm, it's nice to have that extra space for gear storage, for cooking, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people will just take a one of the small like alpine climbing tents. It has a real small footprint. Um, uh, Black Diamond makes a bunch of good ones and um, they'll take that and that's fine as a one person tent it's almost too small even as a one person tent for longer term camping but for alpine climbing where you're climbing up steep stuff and you have to put up a tent on a little snow ledge or something on a little cliffside that's the tent to buy um, but for any of the longer bigger mountaineering trips like Denali or like Rainier, some of those things. Uh, a bigger tent, a roomier tent is pretty nice, especially if you have to wait out bad weather, because it's not unheard of to plan on climbing a, a, a mountain in two, two or three days and have a storm come in and not be able to move for three days or four days. 
just because it's snowing and blowing so hard you can't see and it would be dangerous to leave. So then you just hang out in your tent. And sure, so having yeah. that extra room, the extra vestibule space is awfully handy. Well, that's uh, that's thirty minutes in on uh, on yeah. winter. Ca- I mean, so I think you can go another thirty. Oh, we, you, I mean, that's yeah. a, there's a lot of there's two winter camping. Yeah, and maybe we should do another episode, um, one of these days, and talk about some of the other things, some of the other accessories that you want to have: gloves and and snow saw or something. Yeah, or shovels, just all and, of those types of things. Yeah. Because there's a lot more to talk about. Um, even, I mean, we could spend a half hour on just apparel for yeah. that type yeah. of stuff. So, uh, Or boots or any of that stuff. So we'll have to do another episode one of these days on the rest of it. But That's a good overview. <clears throat> yeah, a little. Because I, I know I've actually met a lot of people who have wanted to get into mountaineering or want to get into winter camping, that sort of thing, uh, but are really intimidated by it. And for... And it, it makes sense why people would be. Um, um, but it's really fun if you got the, the right gear for it. And test your gear at home first. And so my first winter camping was a few days after Christmas. Uh, my grandma lives at the mouth of the canyon where it's windy and it can drop into low teens and, and single digits. And I froze my butt off and I and I was so happy that I was in the backyard of my grandma's <laughs> house. And so at like three or four in the morning, I'm like, I've had enough of this. <laughs> We're going to go in and we'll try it again later, you know, and I've done uh, before heading off into if you, you if you're thinking of like a, a winter ex- excursion, like mountaineering kind of thing. Um, we, there's a lot of places, at least here in Ogden, where you can go up and just and camp fairly close to home and sit where if you need to hike out because things aren't working, you can. Right. And that's a good way to test your gear. And if you start to get really cold and it's scary, like just pack up and walk to the car like right. get get out of there so uh before you had way back into the backcountry right yep indeed um <clears throat> yeah so i i think that's that's probably good for this episode sweet um for those listening that enjoyed the podcast and are not currently subscribers don't forget to subscribe always subscribe yep. also uh, leave us a friendly review if you would and um uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram at gear underscore three zero. And don't forget to check out gear30.com. That's spelled out G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com. And you can check out our deals of the week and uh, winter clearance that we have going on right now and all the other great deals on there. So uh, thanks for joining us. and We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.